Welcome to the Emerald City Hockey Podcast. Join RJ and Dylan as they discuss each week's Seattle Kraken news and top stories from around the league. All right, RJ, we are here with our first podcast of December. This year just keeps clicking along. I mean, it doesn't feel like that long ago that you and I started ECH. Like I know, right? <laughs> Time flies uh, when you're having fun. I know. I've uh, been doing you know podcasts for a little while now, since August, I believe, and then doing the... Uh, the videos for even longer it's it's crazy coming up on a year um absolutely nuts but uh yeah no we're, we're happy to be here and of course we got to start with you know one of the most requested things across any of our platforms and that was of course Shaq's big chicken review at climate pledge arena uh you finally got to have some you know without beating around the bush let's let's just get into that yes so finally the moment everyone waited for uh at the Kraken's last game against the Oilers. Uh, gotta give the people what they want. So I decided it was time. I was going to do my review for Shaq's Big Chicken at Climate Pledge Arena. Uh, got the chicken sandwich. And um, yeah, so for those who didn't see the video, uh, I got the regular chicken sandwich and just the fries. It comes with the chicken sandwich and fries together. $16. It'll run you about $17.30 after tax. And I gave the chicken sandwich a 7 out of 10. And the fries an 8.5 out of 10. Some of the points I want to hit on here. I got their regular chicken sandwich. It's called the MDE. Um, it's good for what it is. Like the, the chicken filet was, you know, nice and moist. It's got the crisp on the outside. That was good. The shack sauce left a little bit to be desired as far as like from a spice perspective. I like my chicken sandwiches really spicy. That's me. I, I want a little kick to it. It didn't have that, but... I think I just ordered the wrong sandwich. There's also what's called the Uncle Jerome, which is like a Nashville hot chicken sandwich. I will definitely be ordering that one next time, just given my taste. But, you know, I got the regular chicken sandwich, and for what it is, I thought it did pretty well. Um, the fries. Now, I feel like the fries are going to be something that's very divisive because they're very crispy, like almost like potato chips crispy. Um they look, okay, they look like steak fries. They've got that shape to them, except they're really thin. They're like really mm -hmm. thin steak fries, and they've got like that kind of crunch to them. Some of them, I mean, just like actual proper crunch to them. So I like that. I like my fries with a lot of crisp on them, but I know that that's not the case for everyone. So I feel like that's going to get a lot of mixed opinions. Uh, and as far as the amount of food, like it was a good amount of food. I hadn't eaten since noon uh, at that point, and the game was, you know, I was like 6.30 by the time I was eating, and I was full, didn't even have any of like the, the press bridge food or anything later, because I just stayed full. So, good amount of food, um, and yeah, I definitely want to try uh, the Uncle Jerome at some point, too. Yeah, uh, it, it's still always so funny, you know, between the two of us anyway, right, you talking about liking Spice, uh, <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> as I'm the person over here drowning everything in hot sauce and, and all sorts of stuff everywhere. But uh, yeah, it sounds like the Uncle Jerome's would, would be for me for sure. Um, yeah, and you know, at least it does sound and it seemed like a decent amount of food given the price, right? Obviously, arena prices for foods anywhere is ridiculous. Certainly these new arenas, it's even more so. Um, but you, you think sure. it was, you know, at least comparable to stadium food 
price to yes. food wise. Yes. And so that's like, that's the ultimate point really is just that it's a good amount of food for, for what you're paying, you know, like given that it's a, a arena food, you're not going to find something that's a whole lot cheaper there. And, you know, at least if you're paying that kind of money for food, it's something that's going to keep you full all game. Yeah, no, that is that is definitely good. And yes, I could see those fries being uh, divisive. I'm someone that likes a little bit of a lighter, fluffier fry myself. So don't know if they're for me. Probably not your thing then. Yeah, uh, but thank you so much for doing that. I know everybody was looking forward to it. Um, moving into this week's slate of games, only three games since our last podcast and the Kraken went uh, 2-0-1 in that time. Um, obviously they finished out that, uh, little, you know, kind of brief road trip four game road swing. Um, Kraken have been looking fantastic. They've continued, you know, everything from last week when they were beating these good teams and everything, uh, carried that over. We'll start with the Buffalo game all the way back on last Monday. Um, seven, four win for Seattle. I mean, still the first thing that comes to mind when I think about this game is the Buffalo boards. Yes, those bouncy end boards. Uh, yeah, they created a, an interesting element to that game for sure. Yeah, um, but you know, otherwise it was just it was it was the shorthanded goals that was you know huge. That's what to I kick. think about first is those two shorthanded goals in the first period. Yeah, to kick off the game, those awesome two shorthanded goals, first two in franchise history. Great to great to see that uh, that Brandon Tanev one still just sticks with me. That just the the single handed effort through that whole thing to make it happen was absolutely phenomenal. Um, but you know, it was also Will Borgen revenge game. Yes, and it was great to see him out there. You know, Will Borgen had been freed, uh, I think, for that that earlier game against Florida first. And uh, he played a great game, uh, you know, his second really good game in a row. And um, yeah, the, I know that a lot of Sabres fans uh, still big fans of Will Borgen. I see it on Twitter all the time. You know, they love him, hoping the Kraken would wave him. Uh, and I'm glad that it never came to that because I thought Borgen was great. Yeah. And, you know, gets his first point in that game. Um, mm -hmm. Lots of lots of good stuff there. Really, you know, missing him obviously in the lineup those these last couple games uh been missing him some um otherwise i mean it was just kind of a complete team performance i know buffalo got a couple you know in the third period but really the game was all but put away at that point so i'm not too worried about those this was just a really solid kraken you know dominant victory yeah it did get a little sloppy at the end there from the kraken which is only a point of concern if you see it continue into future games and knowing what's happened the next two games after that it didn't so i'm not worried about it yeah i think that was just you know i mean the fact you're that riding the game high was much decided yeah. yeah yeah the game was decided you're riding high a little bit um the other thing i guess we should touch on for this game was it was another good drieger performance yes which was great to see and it finally seemed like everything had turned the corner and we've got this great two-headed tandem and Drieger's good to go. And, you know, then, of course, it all comes crashing down soon after. But uh, good to see that from him, at least, you know, while he was healthy and able to do that. Yeah, I mean, in a lot of ways, the story of this game is the story of what happened in the couple days, you know, between this one and the next one, which is everybody got hurt. <laughs> exactly. You know, it was a brutal game from that perspective, for sure. Right. Uh, so you have Eberle go down in that one. Uh, Schwartz somehow disappears between that one and the next game. Uh, Borgen gets hurt 
Um, Drieger, of course, goes back on IR. Giordano's out with COVID still, like as of yeah. today, right? Um, yeah, and a little interesting tidbit uh, that we learned in practice today. Giordano is still physically in Florida. Interesting. Yeah, because, I mean, he obviously couldn't come yeah. back with the team, you know, on their on the team plane and everything because of COVID. But yeah, he's still physically in Florida. Yeah, so that means he's, you know, still, I would assume, then testing positive. And, I mean, do we know if he um, has been sick at all? Like, uh, They haven't really uh, given us a whole lot of information about, you know, whether he's sick, how he's actually feeling. Uh, Hackstall has hinted a couple times that he's probably ready to come back soon. Uh, and that, you know, he should be able to come off protocol soon. So that tells me that maybe he's probably feeling okay and up to it. But, you know, there's certain steps you have to take in the protocol to be able to get out of it. Yeah, I mean, we were all, I mean, at this point, assuming this was more than just a close contact thing, um, yeah. just given how long it had gone on. So uh, good to good to hear that update from Hackstall. So between that Monday and then the uh, Detroit game on December 1st, you have all those guys get hurt and leave the lineup, enter that Detroit game. And, um, you know, Detroit, they've been playing pretty well this year, better than I think a lot of people expected them to. We've got a ton of great rookies that are all putting up great performances for them uh, so far this year. We saw that in this game even. Um, but, you know, we saw the Kraken do something again, another franchise first. I, I love that we keep getting these. Um, a shootout. That was yes. Result didn't go our way, and we can certainly get into the questionable shootout lineup for the Kraken. Um, mm-hmm. But it was still exciting, nonetheless. For sure, and I mean, it took twenty-three games, which I wonder. You know, I well, I guess the shootout's only really existed for two, you know, recent franchises coming in. But I feel like it probably didn't take Vegas twenty-three games to get their first shootout. Uh, but that was cool to see. Um, and it seemed like there are also a lot of uh, just different rule book type of things, you know, where a newer fan watching that game had a lot of introduction to, mm-hmm. you know, different wrinkles in the rules, whether it's like the first time you've seen a shootout or a couple goals disallowed for different reasons. Um, but overall, it was just a really gutsy effort from the Kraken uh, against Detroit. You know, Detroit's not a team that's going to, you know, ever roll over. They're going to make you earn everything that you get. And the Kraken being as banged up as they were, they needed really a full effort from that team uh, to beat Detroit, and they got it. Yeah, I mean, kind of reminiscent to the Carolina game um, mm-hmm. from the previous week, where it was, yeah, you know, this is one of those one of those games where you've just got to button down and and kind of grind it out in a lot of ways. Obviously, this one a little more high scoring than that two one affair, but um, you know, it definitely had that as far as you know, obviously needing to come back to tie it late. Uh, Donato getting that done with his second of the night. Um, good to see that from him. Um, as you know, individual performances, not like too, too many stood out in this one for me. Obviously Donato, like I said, had the two goals. <laughs> it, it did. It was, it was more of like a complete game from the Kraken, which we are seeing a lot more of. And, um, I'm really happy to see that. Cause I think that's, you know, that's what was kind of missing before during the losing streak. They, 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 you know, at times, yes, it was like, okay, it's on Lausanne or whatever. Cause he let, you know, soft yeah. defense on one thing or Grubauer let in a soft goal, but it was, it, it did feel like a lot of, you know, okay, the lines aren't quite gelling. D pairs are all over the place sometimes, right? Like all throughout that losing streak, it still kind of felt like it was a team thing. 
Um, mm-hmm. And so it's nice that now that things are you know turning around, we can really look at this win streak and or at least point streak and stuff and look and say this is you know the whole team has turned around and they've actually all they're all you know grooving together for sure and they kind of have a level that they feel that they can play to it was interesting again after practice today hearing jordan eberly talk about it and kind of the way that he phrased it is the way they think about it he said that they really kind of set a standard for how they want to play. And he mentioned that game against Washington is the kind of the time it really turned around. He said, before that, we really didn't have a standard that we kind of felt we all needed to play to that we had achieved. You know what I mean? Something mm-hmm. we could look back at. This is how we want to play. And now that they have that standard, they can kind of look back and just try and achieve that every single game. And he said, that just makes it a lot easier going forward to know, all right, this is how we want to play. Yeah, for sure. Um, Anything else from the uh, Red Wings game you want to talk about? Um, I, I got to mention Yanni Gord one more time. Just like how much energy he had in that game. You know, didn't show up. Yeah, he showed up on the score sheet a little bit, but like he wasn't as prominent as Donato. But just the nonstop energy from Yanni Gord. Like that that was a heck of a game from him. Yeah. And, you know, I guess we should touch on the, the two uh, disallowed goals just in case anybody wasn't around for the post game live for that one. So, oh, yeah, the, you know, the, that's a good idea. Yeah. The first one taking a Kraken goal off the board, goalie interference call on Mason Appleton. Um, you know, it, it was a good call. I, I could see new, you know, particularly new fans kind of going like, well, the Detroit defenders kind of, you know, pushing and leaning on him. Maybe that drives him into the goalie. And then certainly the goalie, uh, you know, he skates up in his crease a little bit and, and helps make sure that the contact is there. Um, so I could see new fans being, you know, kind of like, why is that called on Appleton when Detroit is, you know, also involved on that? And the bottom line is that, that's just one of those, you know, kind of black and white calls. When it happens, it gets called. Um, yes, you will see them sometimes, you know, waved off after review if they really do feel like the defender pushes the player in there. But usually it has to be pretty egregious. Exactly. It takes a pretty obvious shove or something that's, you know, very, very clear. It takes a lot. And especially if it takes place in the crease, mm-hmm. you know, that in that goal crease, in that blue paint, the goalie is almost always going to get the benefit of the doubt there. Yeah. And so it's, you know, upsetting in that one game, we didn't get that goal, but just know it will even out uh, going the other way at some point later on for the Kraken. And then on the other one, you know, we get to take a Detroit goal off the board, thanks to review, uh, get to see that the guy is off sides. Um, was that, I mean, it was a challenge by Hackstall. Was mm-hmm. that the first challenge from Hackstall or at least first successful one yet? I think it might have been. I, I can't think of another one. I can't either. Yeah, it might be. And um, I want to give credit to the uh, to the video staff by uh, video coach Tim Ohashi uh, to catch that too, because like Dave Haxtell can't be looking at that. You know, he's got to coach the game. He can't be monitoring that stuff. What they what happens is they have these video coaches who are watching these things on tablets, kind of behind the scenes live, and they will catch that on the entry. They'll see it's offside you know, wire that information over to Haxtell and Haxtell will go ahead and challenge it. Um, but it's a stressful job too, because if you're wrong, you know, then a power play goes back on the board against you. And, you know, it's tough. It's it's a high stakes game, uh, but credit to the Kraken video staff there. Yeah, for, uh, you know, we'll go ahead and explain that, you know, for again, for new fans. Um, in hockey, you're allowed one challenge a game. 
Um, but if you don't get that challenge, you it goes as a minor penalty for delay of game, essentially. And so you give the other team a power play. So you got to make sure that you you know get that one right, um, that that one opportunity you can, which is why we don't see it thrown around too often. Um, but you know when you use it, you use it in these situations, right? Linesman miff, missed a close offsides call. You know it was really really close. It was. Um, but he did miss it. Kraken were able to catch it, like you said, and uh, you know get the call corrected and and take what would have been a pretty soft goal allowed from Grubauer oh, off the sure. board. Sure. Um, definitely bailed him out there. Uh, but you know I'll I'll kind of keep what you were talking about with um, you know other coaches watching tablets and stuff, and we'll segue into this last game against the Oilers. Lots of stuff to talk about from this one, but um, I believe it was Paul McFarland, right, that took the puck to the forehead. Assistant mm-hmm. coach for the Kraken took the puck to the forehead, kept on working, even though he had sprung a little bit of a leak, uh, being worked on by the training staff. But if you saw literally just seconds after it happened, he was just right back down on his tablet, looking on stuff, working on stuff while the training staff worked on him. Uh, you know, it's just about impossible to be around hockey and not be tough. It's just something yep. that goes with the goes with the job, whatever job it is. Um, but yes, that, but that was another example of, you know, all the, the assistant coaches have tablets there. The coaches has, have tablets. You can see them on the bench behind them. A lot of times when they're showing like Hackstall and stuff on the TV broadcast, you can see them there. I know, um, I don't know if it's every arena, but a lot of them have them down at the floor of the boards. So players can right. look down at them and see stuff or, uh, coaching staffs can look down and stuff. So it's, it's a little bit more hidden than let's say, you know, football, right. Where there's just like a thousand surface tablets everywhere. Um, but they are, there are plenty there and the, the coaching staff and the players do look at that stuff throughout the game. Um, yep. shout out to McFarland. Didn't miss a shift. Went nope. right back to it. You know, that's, that's toughness right there. And, and Hackstall gave him credit there after the game too. So he should have been first star. Yeah, for sure. Um, so lots, like I said, lots of stuff to talk about with this one. First division win for the Kraken. Yes, it's about time, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, all the way in December. But uh, I think it they were they played six prior to that. There was zero and six before this one. Um, uh, yeah, because there's you know a couple five, couple Vegas six. couple Vegas games, Duck game, Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver. Yeah, so yeah, something Ducks, like that. Yeah. So, yeah, but the first division win, I mean, that's big to get that out of the way, given the way that the schedule is and, you know, especially how division-oriented the playoff format is. You certainly mm-hmm. want to do well against, you know, your own division. And not just any team in the Pacific, you know, the Oilers, who are certainly one of the top teams in the division. I mean, it's it's a real statement win to show they've kind of arrived within the division. Yeah, and, you know, someone in chat was talking, that's their first division loss for the Oilers. Mm-hmm. So, um you know, that's, that is a big deal. Uh, continuing the trend for the Kraken of kind of being giant slayers in a lot of ways, right? You come off wins against Capitals, Hurricanes, you get that first, um, you know, loss at home for Florida, you bring that to them. Um, just continuing this trend of, you know, we were worried about at certain points during the losing streak, you and I were asked several times, are the Kraken a team that just plays down to their competition? You know, maybe that was the case during some of that. I still think they were figuring th- some things out lineup-wise and strategy-wise. Uh, but certainly now you can say they are capable of playing up to anybody in the NHL. For sure. And that's so big for your confidence to just know that, that you know, no matter who the opponent is in front of you, you're capable of beating them. And one thing that 
you know, it was mentioned a little bit, but one thing we really have to emphasize is that they did this without Jaden Schwartz and Jordan Everly. Mm-hmm. I mean, like two of their top scorers out of the lineup and they still beat the Oilers convincingly. Yeah, and that's, again, because the team played really well as a whole. Everybody was stepping up. Uh, we talked a lot about it on the uh, post game. Jeremy Lazon had a really good game in that game. Like, like no, no real negatives to talk about there. He stepped up. Cole Lynn stepping up, getting his first point. That's big. Um, guys like both in the Detroit game and in this one, Ryan Donato playing really well. Had a great you know job to set up Yanni Gord to kick off the game. Was it 49 seconds into this one? Cracking yep. her on the board thanks to that. That's huge to, to start a game off like that. Especially on one that the goalie feels that they should have had, right? Maybe you get inside his head a little bit, getting high uh, Skinner's head a little bit there. Um, Riley Shahan coming back up. You know, joining this lineup, yep. he's been playing really well through these last couple games, I thought, centering that fourth line, um, bringing a lot uh, to the, you know, not just defensively, but, you know, especially on the PK. Uh, mm-hmm. He's been playing really, really well there. And uh, yeah, I mean, just Appleton's been playing well. Colin Blackwell with a great backhanded goal in this one. Yes, that was awesome. Love the celebration, too. Mm-hmm, for sure. Um, so yeah, it's, it was just like a, a complete team effort. They knew they were going to have to, you know, everybody was going to have to give an A effort on this one if they were going to beat the Oilers. You know, again, barely get it done, right? 4-3. Um, but it's, you know, that's that's just because it's the Oilers and you are missing so many people if you're the Kraken. But I got to think that that bodes really well for them in the future as, you know, the team gets healthy and everything moves forward. Absolutely. Yeah, so really cannot, um, you know, state enough the big turnarounds here as far as, you know, the team, the lines being figured out, the defensive pairings getting figured out, and just the systems the coaching staff have, you know, really implemented, right? You know, we talked a lot about not having systems. We talked last week about what's been working. The systems are there, and we saw a little bit over the course of this week, the systems are even evolving um, as the weeks go by, the coaching staff is trying to stay ahead of other teams, um, you know, maybe watching video about what the Kraken are doing. And so I think that's a huge deal. It, it, you know, as much as I was just saying, the team is all playing together. The coaching staff is, you know, right there with them uh, on everything. And that was something that was definitely in doubt before. Glad to know that it isn't now. All right. So those are our game reviews out of the way. Um, we got a couple more like fun topics and stuff to talk about i'm going to go ahead and deviate slightly on our from what our schedule was for this rj because one of these is more hockey related and on ice related than the others so i think we should go ahead and jump into that and that is um mason appleton you know obviously lots of uh jake debrusque talk of being traded out of boston um elliot friedman of sportsnet did his you know normal 32 thoughts column and uh, had mentioned Mason Appleton's name in that. You know, you and I talked a little bit about that on our first Patreon-exclusive podcast where we cover more things league-wide, but we thought it was, you know, worth bringing up, you know, just kind of talking about Mason Appleton as a trade-bait prospect, so to speak. Yeah, and he's someone who was definitely highly regarded and, and seemed like there was a lot of interest around him around the expansion draft as well. I mean, he's someone I think the Jets really hated to lose. It was just kind of a numbers game as far as who they had to protect. Uh, there were talks of the Jets trading him uh, right before the expansion draft. They couldn't end up getting a deal done, so they lost him. But uh, he's definitely someone who's probably has interest around the league. 
uh, you know, and for good reason. We saw what he did in Winnipeg last season. You know, he can be, you know, really kind of greasy drive to the net type forward. He supplies some offense. Um, he's not afraid to use his body, that sort of thing. We hadn't really seen it from him uh, early on in the season with the Kraken. It was kind of a slow start for him. Uh, but these last few games, he's really started to pick it up. We've seen some of the things that you know, we were hoping to see from him uh, at the start of the season. Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, beginning of the season, things were rough. Everybody was kind of playing off, right? It took, you know, even guys like Jordan Eberle, it took a little while for them to get going and, and start feeling it. And then, of course, you have that, you know, certainly what looked like a pretty nasty ankle injury for him. Yeah, that's always difficult. I mean, you know, I'm surprised he wasn't out longer from that. It just looked pretty bad. Uh, I was too. And then, you know, obviously I got to think it takes a little while to get back into the swing of things coming off something like that. But yes, yeah, certainly these last, you know, four or five games from him, I felt like it. this is the Mason Appleton we were expecting. Um, we're seeing him be a little bit more involved offensively, helping out on four check, helping out just with the, you know, overall possession and control that the Kraken are showing in the offensive zone. And then going back the other way, the dude is, you know, he's, one of those busy bee kind of guys where he's just always buzzing around. He's always um, in passing lanes for the other team, especially in transition. He just has this knack for always kind of being where the team wants to go. You can tell they'll, they'll, they'll make a read and they'll look and then they'll see Appleton. And then you can see that they'll have to go somewhere else with it. And I think that that, you know, that gets into other teams' heads, right? He, he might, isn't necessarily picking off passes and stuff, but he's altering what it is that they want to be doing, and that is something that is very important um, over the course of a game. So I've been happy with him kind of all the way around. Um, I do get it, right? Kraken are an extremely deep team, offense and defensively. They just have a lot of guys. Um, I guess my first thing is I'm hesitant to say that they should be trading anybody just because, as we've already seen this year, between COVID and injuries, they've essentially needed all of these people at one point or another. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you feel good with everyone healthy and boom, the next you play game against Buffalo and you got five guys out of the lineup. You know, it's tough um, and it's good to have that depth. And I think that's something that as the season goes on, that could be a competitive advantage for the Kraken over some of these other teams that didn't you know go through the expansion draft process the way the Kraken did making 30 picks you know that gives you kind of depth that other teams really can't match uh you know Appleton in particular you know I think he's really found a spot on the lineup now that he's playing well I mean they put him with Wenberg and Johansson so he's kind of got a top six role there I mean really they've got these top three lines that all kind of rotate but um you know, he has a, a spot there where he's stayed, and I think the team seems to like him there too. He's helped out Wenberg. He's helped out Johansson. I think that line has done well. Yeah, me too. I, I've I've liked that look as we've been talking about. You know, kind of all the stuff recently, all the changes that they've that they've made, and all of that. Um, yeah. So for me, I guess I'm hesitant to say anybody should be traded except maybe someone. You know, a defenseman, just because it is hard to carry so many defensemen. Um, just because of the injury factor and the COVID factor is still very much a part of this season. So that leads me to maybe want to be a little bit more conservative. We've already seen that the Kraken have lost guys just because it's hard to carry so many around. Um, but that's my first reason for maybe not wanting to move Appleton or look into it. The second thing is I think, you know, it really depends on what the Kraken's season long goals are. Right. It was really easy during to say during the losing streak, OK, maybe this season it's just going to be an expansion team going to, you know, 
it's a it's a great draft class coming up. It won't be the worst thing in the world if we just kind of you know take a punt on this first season, maybe a little bit, trade some guys that have value, and then uh, look towards next year where we're going to have a lot of you know cap space and stuff that we can work with, and and then try to build a good team then. But now that they're playing so well and they're beating all of these top NHL teams. Um, you know, things seem to be more on track with what everybody was thinking as far as this being a playoff team. If the Kraken internally still very much view themselves as a playoff team, and that is the goal, I think, again, you want to have somebody like Mason Appleton around for the long haul and then certainly into the playoffs where just his energy and his style of play can really start paying off some big dividends for you. And that's something that we've noticed about the Kraken's roster kind of from the expansion draft, is this looks like a team that's built to do well in the playoffs. I mean, you've got to get there. That's the challenge. But once you do, you have a lot of guys uh, that will be even more valuable for you One in a playoff series when you're kind of matching against the same team. It's this attrition battle. Appleton's one of those guys. Uh, and we have kind of seen the conversation change, right, mm-hmm. around this team and what the expectations are now. And I think a lot of that trade talk, whether it's Appleton or, I mean, you know, we've heard Giordano's name kind of float around, that all kind of stemmed from a time, you know, a couple weeks ago when it looked like, okay, this team might be contending for a top five lottery pick here. Uh, But really, I think, you know, it's all changed now. I I think we can talk about getting back in the playoff race and that sort of thing and certainly not ready to punt on the season. Yeah, so I'm of the opinion that I don't think a trade is likely involving Appleton. How about you? I don't think it is. Certainly not the way he's played the last few games. I mean, he's picked it up basically as soon as that was put out there on 32 Thoughts. Every game since then, he's been really good. So, (laughs) yeah, I don't think we'll see that. Yes. Uh, Now, playing devil's advocate essentially to both of us, let's both play devil's advocate to ourselves in a way. All right. and, And let's talk about if a trade was to take place, right? Guys don't just get thrown around. Their names don't get thrown around by Elliot Friedman, you know, every day, so to speak, right? Like he was specifically mentioned, Mason Appleton. So let's say that there is something there. Um, you know, I, I, you and I, I think both think Winnipeg's probably the most likely trade partner in a Mason Appleton deal. Yeah, you know, they'd love to get him back. I mean, they know exactly what he brings. They saw what he did last season. Yeah, I think they'd love to get him back. Okay, so let's, you know, let's talk a little bit, you know, we don't have to totally get into the weeds of really trying to figure out trades for Mason Appleton, particularly if we don't really think he's going to be moved. Um, But like, from a Kraken perspective, if they do decide to trade Mason Appleton, let's say everybody gets healthy, and all of a sudden roster space, it's it's a tight squeeze again. Um, What are you what what for you, would you be looking at, you know, a return? Are you wanting another depth player? Or are you just trying to take on draft picks and just ease kind of this, you know, tight roster space stuff? I mean, I guess I'd be looking for draft picks almost seem to make the most sense just given, you know, the numbers game of the roster. Because if you bring in another player, then you have the same problem as far as trying Mm -hmm. to create space, right? Um, And you're not looking to bring in a defenseman, certainly not given how many defensemen you have. So it's going to be another forward. I mean, I guess you'd have to feel like it's some kind of, you know, like for like deal where um, you're getting a forward that's, I guess, a little bit better of a fit for what you're trying to do, Uh, or maybe a forward, younger forward that's waiver exempt. You know, that would be another, you know, kind of return or prospect traffic, something like that, where you don't have to do the, you know, the roster calculation basically anymore with Appleton. You can kind of remove him from that. And it's really tough to find a fit like that. 
Um, you know, Jake DeBrusque is one of the names that's been thrown out there. And you kind of have to look at DeBrusque and just think that he's better for what you're doing. He's a better fit for your offense. And maybe the goal scoring he brings is better than what Appleton can do. But, you know, as you've mentioned in the past, I don't really know that DeBrusque is a better fit uh, than Appleton, given the way that Appleton's playing now. Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I think you'd be looking at draft pick compensation, which again, that would have maybe seemed okay, you know, three weeks ago when it seemed like that was the trajectory of the season. But if the season is, okay, we're getting back into the playoff chase. We think we got a good shot at that. We want to be competitive in the playoffs. Then yeah, I just don't really see it. Cause as you said, you know, it's not like you're making a move to clear out and shed some salary here, right? Mason Appleton isn't costing you that much. Uh, he's not an upcoming UFA. You know, you still have his rights. Right, the- right. He's, he's going to be an RFA, so you've got that working in your favor. Um, really, the only reason I could see them making a move is because they, again, they don't want to necessarily be put in a situation where they're going to have to lose someone else for free, essentially, on waivers, like they had to do with Bastion. And so Appleton becomes the guy maybe that then gets moved out just because he has the most value. I think that's really the only path to a Mason Appleton trade. Again, not saying I want it to happen. I don't think that's what we're either of us are saying. But, um, you know, just, just looking at it practically, I think that's what it would take. In which case, yeah, I mean, I would I would try to get something. Do you think you could get like a second rounder for Mason Appleton? I think it's possible. I think you could. Yeah, certainly if he continues playing the way he, excuse me, the way he has. I mean, I think that was about the rumored value for him around the expansion draft. And I don't think that value has probably changed a whole lot in the time since. Certainly not if you're looking on like a trade deadline day where, you know. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Prices can get inflated, that's for sure. Exactly. Um, unfortunately, he's not, you know, some uh, weird third line center with some great face-off percentage where you can see those guys all of a sudden go for first on trade deadline days. Always yep. think of Paul Gostad. Paul Gostad. Yep, that's always you the one that comes to Paul mind. Gostad. Yep. Um, not quite there, but uh, yeah, I think that would be a, a decent return to get for him if they were if the Kraken feel like they're in a situation where they need to do that. I don't think they are right now. I think the smart move is to keep him around. I think we're both on the same page there. All right, so that that's that's kind of it for the podcast as far as on ice stuff. We still got some fun stuff to talk about. The first thing being mascot thoughts, because you yes, know, we're we're still waiting on that. We keep being told that it's coming. Yes, and it will happen before the end of the year. I I heard that from multiple sources around. That's what I'm hearing. It will be in the month of December. So what is it? Uh, The 5th today we're recording. So they've got about 26 days to get that ready to go. Um, But yes, the Kraken will be revealing a mascot in the month of December. uh, And I'm looking forward to it. Um, I mean, I don't know how many times we've we've talked about, we've plugged our video that we did the mascot <laughs> ideas. If you somehow have not seen it yet, go ahead and watch it. Um, but uh, yeah, I. What do you think, Dylan? As far as you know, a mascot. Now that we've actually seen some of the game presentation, mm-hmm. you know, we've seen what kind of look they're going for. I mean, that video we made was you know before the expansion draft, yeah. right? I mean, it's just we didn't have much of a clue as far as what they'd really be going for. Um, but now that we've seen a lot of these things, you know, what are you thinking in terms of a mascot? Is there kind of one direction that you think they're more likely to go now? 
And why is it Sigmund the sea monster? <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I think that that one maybe not is is out a little bit because one of the things I was going to say is as far as their actual game presentation goes, it really solidified in my mind they're going to want you know the mascot costume to be one that that is very um, you know it can move that whoever is wearing it is going to be able to participate in things and be able to you know walk up and down the aisles and stuff. Um, so maybe something that doesn't have, let's say, arms like one of my uh, suggestions <laughs> or certainly Sigmund the Sea Monster. That's maybe just like a big, you know, maybe too wide to be going down certain things or your anchor man. I was going to uh, say my suggestion of anchor man who probably can't fit down an aisle comfortably. Yeah, certainly not without, you know, poking people, uh, poking their eyes or hitting the backs of their heads or something. Um so I, in my mind, that's that's the big thing that I've taken away from the in-game experience from the Kraken is that they like to keep everything upbeat, up-tempo, especially. And so they're going to want somebody that can kind of keep with that pace and isn't going to kind of slow things down. Like, oh, when it's the mascot segment, you know, they're just kind of planted in one spot and not really able to do much. So uh, that that's as far as that goes, that's really where I'm coming from. What about you? I guess my other takeaway, because I agree with yours, you know, you want a mascot that's going to be kind of active, involved, that certainly fits with what they've done game presentation-wise. Um, I think also you've seen kind of the the nautical theme where it's really just like a general nautical theme. It doesn't necessarily have to be like, you know, a kraken or a sea monster. I think we could still see like a, a pirate type of thing or a Davy Jones type of thing. Um, I think we could see um, a... Uh, what was I going for? There's the pirate, and then there's something else. Uh, I mean, there's there's oh, all sorts of... Like your Poseidon idea mm -hmm. or something like that. That's the other one I was trying to think of. Um, where I could see it being like a person type of, you know, more person-like uh, mascot as well. And that helps you also with being active and involved in things. Easy to move around. Uh, not a big mascot suit. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm looking up right now um, to see if Captain Nemo is in the public domain Ooh, okay because that would be something obviously Twenty Thousand leagues under the sea um yep. yeah okay it was written in 1869 by jules verne so i gotta think captain nemo's in the public domain that's why he's used in a lot of stuff right i would assume so you know that's under an the option. copyright laws if it was written today it'd be in, not in the public domain for sure years from now but yes for sure but uh given given when it was when it was done um so i think you know that that could be another kind of fun option um you know you had mentioned under your pirate idea maybe right the pirate is out always out hunting the kraken and mm -hmm. you know you can you can have some fun with that captain nemo right with the giant squid and stuff like there's yep. there's some stuff there so um I, I could see something like that if they want to go with that they they do seem committed around the arena to the idea of you know fear the deep the depths all that stuff mm -hmm. wanting it to take place underwater more so than you know just on the water i think uh and so that again right captain nemo with the nautilus he's down there He's, he's always doing stuff below the water. That could be a, a direction if they want to go kind of with, you know, something a little different than what you and I had already talked about. Yeah, I like that idea. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's going to be interesting because, you know, really this last home game, it seems like, is when we saw the most kind of progress as far as like pregame and stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you were there, I wasn't, so I guess you could talk about it more. <laughs> 
I mean, it wasn't a whole lot different. You know, they had some lights that they didn't have before. They had a little more of an extended kind of pregame show as far as showing. But a lot of it was highlights projected on the ice, that sort of thing that we have seen before. Uh, they also had, you know, like the eyes, you know, with, with uh, the other team coming out. That was cool. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of the projection kind of stuff. Um, you know, in-game, it was, it was pretty similar. And the thing is, mostly you see the mascot in-game right that's mm -hmm. kind of the usage it's not really part of the pre-game show usually um you know sometimes it is to like pump up you know the fans or whatever going on the ice or um repelling from the ceiling which you know can has, <laughs> has mixed falls sometimes jumping yeah. through a ring of fire like wild wing yes. may or may not also have certain pitfalls <laughs> <laughs> yeah so you see it sometimes um but yeah, it's it's something that that the mascot can do, you know, within the game, uh, within the game presentation. So also, Dylan, like you went to a couple home games, you've kind of seen how they, you know, present everything through the whole game. Like, where do you think the mascot is going to kind of fit in? Because uh, you know they have certain intermission entertainment, they have you know like commercial break type mm -hmm. entertainment. Like, where would you kind of slot in the mascot? It's hard to not to say, not knowing exactly what the mascot is going to be. But, you know, let's say it's something like what we talked about. Like, where would you try and fit the mascot in? Yeah, so I think I think they're going to want to do stuff in the crowd, uh, you know, whether it's out in the concourse, but especially then, you know, also in between the aisles, right? On the stairwells, staircases, um, going up and down the sections and stuff. I think they're going to want to utilize the mascot there a lot, which is why I was thinking maybe a little bit more of a trim down design that's, you know, mm -hmm. you got some movement and stuff. Um, just because I feel like for the Kraken, again, they're in Rena experience. They like to bounce around in, in you know, in a lot of ways that way and, and keep the energy levels up. I think that's also something that maybe they haven't done as much as you and I have seen in other places, right? As far as having people, you know, on those staircases and out in the crowd doing stuff, t-shirt tossing, all that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like that's kind of the next like evolution for the, the in-game experience is to bring in some of those elements. So I think the mascot will help there. But then also especially doing segments up at like, do we have a name for that? That kind of like crow's nest Oh yeah, thing? that little balcony area. Yeah. That, I don't think it is has a name. name. Not that I've seen. Okay. It needs a name. Yeah, it needs, it needs a name, and I think uh, you know maybe it'll be named after you know kind of in tandem with the mascot, whatever it ends up being. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, you're going to be doing lots of segments up there with them, I would think. Uh, you know, pre-game, I got to think right to to kick off the game, they're going to be up there getting things going, uh, just because it's a nice visible spot to put them in to help hype up the crowd and everything. Um, yep. So I think in that now, as far as what I was saying, as far as the changes recently made to the pregame stuff was because, you know, it was really the first stretch that the team hasn't been there so that they've been able to get in there and work on stuff. Because we know that's what, you know, really all this holdup has been is just it took so long for the arena to get finished that the season started and they kind of needed it to play hockey. Uh, so yeah. so what I'm doing now is I'm looking at the schedule and the next you know, space of time in which they're going to have to maybe work on the last couple things and then really bring in anything they're going to need to bring in for the mascot is really next week, right? So you got yep. the game against Columbus on the 11th, but then you're not back again until the following Saturday on the 18th against Edmonton. If I had to guess, if I was a betting man, which I am, <laughs> uh, I would say the 18th against Edmonton is probably when we're going to see the unveiling of the mascot 
as far as if it's going to kick off in December. Because I think if you were going to do it for this stretch of home games, you would have done it back on Friday. Right. And that you know, way, that's a good observation. <laughs> yeah, know, I hadn't thought about that to look at the calendar. But yeah, looking at it, it just makes so much sense. I mean, that's really kind of where they have the most time to figure everything out and get it going. I mean, the only other time I could think was, you know, that game against Philly, like very late in the month. And I don't think it's going to be that late that they're going to going to release it. So, yeah, I guess circle that Edmonton game on the calendar, you know, tentatively. We'll see. Yeah, can't guarantee anything, but I'm, I'm certainly going to be looking out for it. Uh, for that one yeah i guess the only thing that could throw a wrench in the works there is just because you know those two away games that week are just san jose and anaheim uh so maybe the team is you know they they're gonna fly back in and 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 wait to leave a little so you might whatever there but you know that's what the other practice facilities for exactly practices there have mostly been at the at the iceplex and um and certainly you can always move things there if you need to for what you don't have to practice at the arena you know it's just the morning skates that kind of have to be there yeah but as far as all that stuff goes it's going to be on you rj for these next couple home games as you know you're you're scurrying from the press bridge down to go to the media availability room Mm -hmm. uh you come you know i've done that walk with you you walk through a lot of the underbelly of the arena there they've they've always got lots of of stuff you see a lot of stuff so if they do um if they are getting ready to bring some stuff in after that columbus game or anything you might you might be able to see something even if it's just an oddly shaped uh tarp thing yep or uh yeah some some kind of pirate looking character who maybe looks like he shouldn't be there um yeah just something yeah you know big old uh seagull costume if i you know yeah, the big, um, big shirtless. I get what I want. <laughs> big, a big shirtless, felted Poseidon-looking man, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I will certainly keep an eye out, uh, you know, for all of you if I see anything. Yes, and then so for our final topic for this podcast, um, this past week, RJ again something you and I discussed and actually did a live reaction to on that first uh, Patreon exclusive podcast was mm-hmm. the you know stadium series jerseys for the Tampa Bay Lightning and the Nashville Predators. Um, they are interesting, to say the least. <laughs> they sure are. And, man, just seeing them live, like, while we were recording, that was so fun. Like, Dilla, Dilla, take a look at this. Look, yeah. look, look. <laughs> yeah, no, uh-huh. it was good. Uh, but yep. it got me thinking. So, yeah, you know, we've certainly all of our fans, all the Kraken fans have been discussing the ideas of things like stadium series games, you know, in Seattle. And all of us have kicked around ideas of where it would take place, all of that kind of stuff, who it would be against. Um, But, you know, one thing that maybe hasn't been talked about that this would certainly bring up is the idea of what would the jerseys look like for the Kraken in one of these events, because we do know stadium series generally they like to make these jerseys a lot different than what their regular jerseys look like. For sure. They like to go way outside the box. That is for sure. So I thought we could finish off this podcast kind of kicking around some ideas uh, about what we think, you know, Seattle Kraken Stadium Series jersey could look like. I know it's probably going to be more so talking about what we wouldn't necessarily want uh, <laughs> than, than, what it, than what it would be. Um, but uh, do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? Uh, here, you take the lead, Dylan. I'm sure you got some good ideas. All right. So the first thing I thought of was this is the time to work in the Metropolitans, maybe. But yeah, um, I think that's the obvious first thought for everyone. Right. But the there's a 
there is a copyright issue with the Metropolitans. There's a reason mm-hmm. they haven't used the Metropolitans. The copyright was purchased by someone um, really not that long ago, surprisingly. 2016 is what I heard. Yeah, 2016. And they have not been, um, uh, let's just say they've got maybe some unrealistic expectations as far as what compensation might look like uh, to use said logo and designs. Well and said, well said. Um, uh, you know. Certainly not, uh, I don't know. I, I think you and I could find ways to be a little bit more business savvy than this person's been. Um, so so I think the Metropolitans would be out for something like this just because if they didn't, you know, if they weren't, if, if the deal can't be made for just having Metropolitan stuff around during the regular times or as an alternate jer- jersey or anything, then I got to assume a deal for the Metropolitan stuff will be out for a stadium series event. So I'm just going to, yes. I'm going to, I know a lot of people would be thinking that, but I'm going to go ahead and just, you know, say, unfortunately, I don't think that that's going to happen. And also, if you could do it, I don't think you'd want to do it for a stadium series no. jersey that's more of a one-off. It's That's kind of what it's meant to be. I'd want it to be more of a full-time third jersey. Exactly. Um, so my first thought um, was... I love the light blue merch that we've seen, like the sweatshirts and the hats and stuff. So I really want to bring in that 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 kind of almost minty color, Arctic ice. I think is what they called it. Yep, uh, yep. I see ice blue on that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love it on the sweatshirts. I love it on the hats and everything. So my f- first thought was to go with that. However, I will say this, just from a you know TV production standpoint, I don't know how it would look outside depending on, you know, if it's a sunny day or anything, just because of the light and the exposure and the kind of extra distance that the cameras have, I could see it maybe getting a little, you know, blown out or washed out Mm. um, compared to the ice. So that might be my only hesitation with, you know, kind of choosing that fun color. Yeah. And, you know, they do take these things into account, too. Mm And, you know, for the TV audience, it's something that they think about. That's one of the reasons, if you'll notice on a lot of these stadium series jerseys, the numbers on the back and on the sleeves are kind of elongated. That's for TV audiences. So it's easier to see, given that a lot of people, you know, will kind of have a further away like camera point. But you can't you beat me to it. My first thought was I really wanted to see that ice blue color as kind of a primary on a jersey. Mm hmm. Yeah, well, sorry about that. Do you have you want to go into your kind of next thought then? Um, yeah, I guess. Well, the other one I was thinking because you have to have, you almost have to start with a color, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and and have that as the backdrop for jersey. We saw Vegas go with red, mm-hmm. as and it, which is really a minor color for them. Mm-hmm. Go with red for their uh, stadium series jersey, and I thought it turned out fantastic. Like. I didn't think it was going to work going into it, but after seeing those jerseys, how they showed up on camera and seeing some in person, they are gorgeous. Yeah, and the fans now, really embraced them too. We saw a lot of those yeah. at that Vegas game. Yeah, we did see a lot of them. And I mean, I don't blame them. Like, they look fantastic. Now, do you think the Kraken could pull that off? Going yeah. with that red? Because it is a color in their color set. It's there. Mm-hmm. Do you think they could pull it off? Yeah, just because, I mean, we've seen red pulled off by, what, like 23 NHL teams at some point or another? Yeah. So it's a, it's a, it seems like a pretty easy color to work with. Yep. Yep. I mean, and I guess you'd want to throw in maybe like the ice blue or, or maybe the mm-hmm. shadow blue with it. You don't want to look too much like the Nordiques. You know, you got to be like wary of that. You got to make sure there's enough red so it doesn't look like just, you know, both yeah. of them. Yeah. Um, and and but, really, uh, I think that would be my only concern with the red is just because so many teams have already used it or already mm-hmm. use it. That might be the only thing that I that would give me pause there. 
Yeah. And one of the reasons it worked for Vegas is they're combining it with gold, which mm -hmm. no other teams do. Yeah. Um, and so it kind of creates that unique look versus red and blue is done by just about everyone. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, it's been around for a little while. We'll say, um, my next thoughts were just around, okay, what do we want on it? Cause obviously a lot of the talk mm -hmm. from this past week has been about the Smashville front and center on those Nashville predators jerseys. So I was thinking like, okay, I put on my, uh, you know, NHL marketing department hat. Um, All right. it's a, it's a surprisingly small and lightweight hat. Doesn't feel like there's a lot of pressure that goes alongside it compared to some other occupational hats, maybe. Um, and I was thinking, okay, what, what would they want to put on here? And I was like, well, you know, we don't have like a Smashville type slogan, but they use fear the deep a lot. And I was like, oh no, this is exactly what they would do is they would put oh, fear the, but little, and then just deep, like just big deep right across the right across the chest and and so i'm just here to to try to will into existence that not happening i know that's not generally how you do it yeah. speak it out of existence exactly yes thank you for doing that because no that that is the exact type of thing they would do, do though isn't it that is like the version of smashville be fear the deep right on the front um no i do not want to see that Every team at some point, it feels like, seems to think that putting some kind of like text on the front of their jersey is going to be great and they can be the team to make it work. No, it never works. It never looks good. I, I guess the only time it ever does is like the Rangers. And that's just for so long, you know, the diagonal Rangers. Mm -hmm. That's great. I can't think of it working a single other time. So many teams try it. The stars with the Dallas on their one of some of the worst jerseys they've had. The Thrashers again across the middle, mm -hmm. like Jersey, as we've just. <laughs> no, the text doesn't work. Give me a logo, and the Kraken have such a cool secondary logo too. Let's see something with an anchor on it. Like, mm -hmm. like give me that anchor front and center. I want to see how that looks. Yeah, or maybe that's the time to bring in, you know, even even a new kind of logo as well. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's true. Actually, yeah, give me maybe the anchor kind of used for like a third jersey or something for a one-off. Yeah, maybe bring in a different in a different logo. Yeah. Um, now that being said, you said all that about the text, and I totally agree with you. The the one time I will say that maybe sometimes it works, uh, certainly for you know something like a one-off jersey, is if you like hyper stylize the text, and the text makes sense. So. You know, as like an alternative to something crazy like the Fear of the Deep that I could see them wanting initially to do. Uh, you know, I wouldn't mind the idea of there being a Kraken jersey that just says Kraken on it. Okay. A as long as it's kind of designed around something. You could, you know, almost make it look like it's on the, you know, the hull of a ship. Like that's the name of a ship or something. Or you can use like some sort of fun tentacly font to make it, right? <laughs> Yeah, is is the font like a tentacle font? Is that what you go with? Yeah, so I, I could see them doing something like that or, you know, some sort of nautical type font that makes it, you know, very much feel like that. Um, I, I would I would much prefer that to, to any sort of slogan or nickname or anything. I think you can get away with maybe just doing crack and it's a shorter word too. I think that mm -hmm. generally helps. Yeah, no, that does help. Um, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting like concept. I don't know also that you need that given that you have the primary logo on the regular jerseys is an S. So you mm -hmm. still kind of have, you know, like 
some text there. You know, it's a very stylized S. You've got the cool all the elements to it, but um, just kind of an image there might might be better in my mind. But yeah, the Kraken could work. I, I was just thinking because we don't have anything that says Kraken that isn't just like a standardized font below a logo, essentially, right? On yeah, like merch and stuff. Like I just feel like you know, there's a ton. They did such a good job on the S making it, you know, kind of tentacly with the red eye and all that stuff um, that I thought, you know, maybe they could make something work with the Kraken that would just be, again, just something fun for like stickers even, right? Like just, you know, Kraken, it says Kraken. Um, I, I thought that, but that's, those are really all the thoughts I had. Obviously it's, it's hard to, there, the possibilities are endless as the NHL shows us every time. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think we even got some things in there we wanted to avoid, so that's good. Yeah, it's it's almost more that's so about that. Out for the most of these stadium series jerseys. Yeah, and how about this? If you're going to do something with the color on the front, whether it's you know jagged triangles or or striping or anything like that, maybe carry it over to the back side of the jersey too. Yeah, you know that consistency. You know, you could say a lot for that. It's. Uh, Something I'm surprised some of these jerseys haven't done, but yeah, maybe keep it around the whole jersey. You know, there's there's two sides to it. Yeah, or you know, bring back the shiny Stadium Series logos, like that sweet yes. Sidney Crosby jersey I got hanging up in the yes. closet. Yeah, those were cool. Yeah, bring those back. It's a nightmare to own as a jersey. I will tell you that though, because any sort of wrinkles in the emblem there, oh my gosh, they are there forever. I will uh, I'll say that. Um, but yes, that's the alternative. Uh, but I think that's going to do it for the podcast this week. Uh, looking ahead at the Kraken schedule, it's a it's a pretty fun one. Another homestand here. Uh, we got the uh, Penguins tonight, for those of you listening, Monday night at 7 o'clock. Then on Thursday, the Winnipeg Jets come to town. That should be a really fun one. Mason Appleton revenge game. We'll talk about Let's that. Let's go. Uh, that one's also at 7. And then next Saturday, Columbus Blue Jackets at 7. Patrick Laine, you know, is a nice like, off-season trade target for the Kraken. He's going to be here. Yep, he'll be in town. Yeah, uh, maybe we can keep him in town. Appleton for Laine, one for one. Let's do it. Who says no? Come on, Yarmo. We, we got this. <laughs> we got this. All right, so that's that's it for this week's uh, ECH uh, podcast. Thanks so much, everybody, for joining us as always, and we will see you all next time. Bye.